everybody. This is Jason Bell, and I'm here with my wife, Allison Bell. Hi. And we're just excited to do this. Um, we've been wanting to get into uh, a podcast where we share just feelings from our heart for a while now, and uh, we're excited to finally be doing this. And uh, to be honest with you, this is something that we've kind of um, gone back and forth on for a while just because it feels very much out of our comfort zone, <laughs> which is kind of ironic given that I'm a teacher for my profession, and I'm in front of people all day long, but here we are. So my name is Jason Bell. Like I mentioned, I'm a seminary teacher. I teach out at Brighton High School right now. I've done it for a number of years, and I love it. I love being with those kids, and um, we um, just love Jesus Christ. We love sharing the gospel, and one of the main motivators for me in wanting to get into this podcast is there's a quote that I love from several years ago that I remember reading and it has to do with what you feel like you're called to do in life. And this podcast uh, feels like something that we've been called to do. And that quote goes something like this, like your calling or callings in life is where um, the world's deep hunger and your deep gladness meat. <laughs> and not, I don't feel like I'm necessarily someone that's going to like be able to feed the whole world, but I do feel like given the natural gifts and talents that God's given me, I do feel a certain sense of obligation to, to share those gifts and to give those things back to him as much as I can through spreading his good news. And I would hope that I can kind of fulfill part of the calling that he's given me while I'm here on this earth through this podcast. And Secondly, kind of selfishly, I I just think kind of think of this as letters to my kids, and hopefully our they, kids, our kids, so they can have a, <laughs> so they have our kids, so they can have a record of of some things that you know mom and dad love to talk about and what they feel in their heart about Jesus Christ and our heavenly Father and and His gospel. Um, unlike Jason, I feel like I shouldn't be doing this at all because. <laughs> I feel totally unqualified. I I used to teach seminary, um, as of a couple years ago, I I quit so I could stay home and just have some more flexibility to be with our kids. And I I now work from home as a as a freelance copywriter, which is a lot of fun. But like Jason said, I like to have an opportunity to just kind of put some goodness out there and share my beliefs, however clunky it might sound or come out, which I'm sure it will. Jason's a lot more articulate than I am, but no. <laughs> I'm just here for the ride. So enjoy his his eloquence while you just bear with me. <laughs> um, but I, fun little tidbit about me, this is fun. Um, people who know me would never guess this, but I was, I was in a sorority in college. <laughs> I should probably qualify that by saying it was, it was an LDS sorority, a church sorority. So basically it was like mutual for college kids, <laughs> but it was so much fun. Um, I'm really glad I did it, but we had a scripture that was our theme that we would repeat every week that we met. And it was Doctrine and Covenant 68.6. So I'll see if I can still remember it. Probably butcher it, but I'll do my best. It's wherefore be of good cheer and do not fear for I, the Lord am with you and will stand by you. And ye shall bear record of me, even Jesus Christ, 
that I am the son of the living God, that I was, that I am, and that I am to come. And for me, that's my why behind this podcast is if I can bear record in my small and simple way and and help anyone out there, like even as we said, if it's just our kids listening, hi kids, <laughs> it'll be worth it. I will be, I will be happy that I did that, that I put that on the altar for the Lord and I'm happy to do that. But we're just excited and we'll, we'll see what comes out. <laughs> Yeah, we're really excited. And uh, we've both given this a lot of thought for a long time. And um, kind of just going into some more reasons why we feel like we need to do this. There's a quote that came to mind when I was thinking about what to say today. And it's from C.S. Lewis, who I love. And if you don't know who C.S. Lewis is, uh, he's a phenomenal writer, Christian writer. And he's got kind of a cool story. He was an atheist for quite a while. And he had some experiences in his life. Uh, pretty traumatic experiences that led him to believing in Jesus Christ. And so if you hear Elder Elder C.S. Lewis <laughs> quoted in General Conference, he's not an elder. He was never baptized, but he wrote some phenomenal stuff, including the Chronicles of Narnia. But there's a quote in which he says uh, this um, in regard to choosing to let Jesus Christ into your life. And this is kind of just where my mind and my heart is today. And he says that, I think that many of us, when Christ has enabled us to overcome one or two sins that were an obvious nuisance, are inclined to feel that we are now good enough. He has done all we wanted him to do, and we should be obliged if he would now leave us alone. But this is the fatal mistake. We may be content to contain what we call ordinary people, but he is determined to carry out quite a quite different plan. That is why we must not be surprised if we are in for a rough time. (laughs) When a man turns to Christ and seems to be getting on pretty well, in the sense that some of his bad habits are now corrected, he often feels that it would be now natural if things went fairly smoothly. When troubles come along, illnesses, money troubles, new kinds of temptation, he is disappointed. These things, he feels, might have been necessary to rouse him and make him repent in in his bad old days, but why now? Because God is forcing him on or up to a higher level, putting him into situations where he will have to be very much braver or more patient or more loving than he ever dreamed of being before. It seems to us all unnecessary, but that is because we have not yet had the slightest notion of the tremendous thing he means to make of us. Imagine yourself as a living house. God comes in to rebuild that house. At first, perhaps you can understand what he is doing. He's getting the drains right and stopping the leaks in the roof and so on. You knew that those jobs needed doing, and so you're not surprised. But presently, he starts knocking the house about in a way that hurts abominably and does not seem to make sense. What on earth is he up to? The explanation is that he is building quite a different house from the one you thought of. Throwing out a new wing here, putting on an extra floor there, running up towers, making courtyards. You thought you were going to be made into a decent little cottage, but he is building a palace. He intends to come and live in it himself. And so with that in mind, I do have just some thoughts from Jesus's discussion on the bread of life. And if you want to go and follow along, this is largely found in John chapter six. Uh, John chapter six is a treasure trove of great stories about Jesus Christ. Uh, This is where he feeds the 5,000. This is where he walks on the sea. Um, and where he gives um, the bread of life discussion. 
And just so you can kind of refresh it in your mind, if you go to John chapter six, uh, feeding the 5,000 was a super miraculous thing. <laughs> like there were tons of people out there listening to Jesus all day long. And here they are waiting and hoping for a Messiah that would come in and solve all of their problems. And he kind of does. He feeds them miraculously until they're filled and there's leftovers. This is a big deal. Like in their minds, they're thinking, this is the Christ. This is the one that we've been waiting for. This is the savior who's going to free us from oppression and solve all of our problems and make our life easy. And so much so that they, uh, in verses 14 and 15, they want to make him a king. They're like ready to crown him right then. And he goes away on his own, as you know. The next story that we come to in John chapter 6 is when he's walking on the water. And again, a pretty miraculous thing. Um, After he's walked on the water, they go chasing after him. And the disciples that had seen him the day before that were fed by him find them and the apostles, the disciples, on the other side of, of the lake. And in verses 26 and 27, they come to him. And in verse 25, they say, Rabbi, when camest thou hither? Jesus answered them and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, you seek me, not because you saw the miracles. And then the Joseph Smith translation, he says, you, uh, he says, I say unto you, you seek me, not because you desired to keep my sayings, neither because you saw the miracles, but because you did eat the loaves and were filled. In other words, they had kind of missed the point. And these weren't just random people. These were the people that had been fed the day before. And they're following him and they're seeking him because they were fed with bread. And he says something that's going to be terribly hard for them and it's going to be hard for us. But he says in verse 27, Labor not for the meat which perisheth, but for that meat which endureth unto everlasting life, which the Son of Man shall give unto you. For him hath God the Father sealed. In other words, the water, the bread I'm going to offer you is not what you think it is. I'm not going to miraculously answer all your prayers. I'm not going to feed you. I'm not going to solve all of your problems. Like he says in the chosen, in this world, in my world, bones will still break and hearts will still break. And he even says, he goes on in verses 29 through 35, and he talks about, look, I gave your father's bread and they're dead. <laughs> I gave them manna, right? I provided for your fathers, for your ancestors, and they are dead. But the bread I can give you, even though it's not the bread you're expecting, can give you something that is everlasting, that will never go away. This is a struggle for them to think about it, to, to comprehend that. And it's a struggle for us. We want a savior. We want all of our problems to be solved. And sometimes there's the false expectation or understanding that if we jump in with Jesus Christ and make covenants with him that we think that life, if we're keeping the commandments should be, should be easy and that everything's going to go well and that he's just going to provide. And it's going to be the bread that we expect. Uh, but he says right here that that's not what I'm offering. I'm not offering that bread or to solve all of your problems, but I'm here to give you even something better going on. And you know, the story, if you look in verse 60, Many, therefore, of his disciples, when they had heard this, said, This is a hard saying. <laughs> Who can hear it? In other words, 
we have expectations of how things might go when we follow Jesus Christ, but he will probably do something different, right? We think that he's just going to build a cottage out of us and we're, when in fact he's going to be building a palace. And so when we choose to follow Jesus, it probably is going to have its challenges. Not probably, it will, because it has to. There's no way to make a palace, right? Years ago, we remodeled our house here in Bountiful, and it took a ton of work. This was an older home, and there was a lot of things that needed to be updated and changed. And it required some intensive gutting, (laughs) of literally gutting the insides and changing it and revamping it and knocking down walls and building up new ones and replacing things that were old or worn or just plain not right and even dangerous. And so in verse 66, from that time, many of his disciples went back and they walked no more with him because it just wasn't what they expected. This was a hard thing for them to understand. So what he's talking about here is that this water, this new water, this living water doesn't flow freely, but it is satisfying. But you're going to have to work to get there. You're going to have to work and follow me, even when it's difficult. You're going to have to give up your sins. You're going to have to change some things that maybe you don't want to change. And then he turns to the 12 in verse 67 and says, will you also go away? Will you leave too? Now, for some, it might, you know, leaving Jesus Christ might think, oh, great, you know, I'm going to leave him and it's going to be so much easier. But is it really that much easier to live without Jesus? It's going to be hard either way. It's going to be hard to get that bread that will only satisfy for a moment. It's hard to get that bread. I've tried to work for that bread before and it's still hard to get. It's also hard to get Jesus's, but I've known when I've tasted of his bread, his bread and his water, that I've never been hungry again in a sense. And I've never wanted anything different, I guess is a more appropriate way to say it. It's once you've tasted it, you don't want anything different. In verse 68, hard or not, right? Where would you go? Verse 68, Simon Peter says, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. You have the words of eternal life. Nobody else, no other place, no amount of money or anything else will have those words of eternal life. Even though this path comes with its own hardness, the reward just just doesn't, there is no comparison. I'm not going to go back to the natural man because there's nothing there. It's just not satisfying. It reminds me Um, of a story, again, from C.S. Lewis in the Chronicles of Narnia. And Ali's heard me tell this story a thousand times, but I love it. It's a story where in Narnia, which is a magical land, um, these children go into Narnia and they have many great adventures. And in one of the stories, Jill goes into Narnia and she's very, very thirsty. She's just parched for thirst And she's looking for a place to quench her thirst, and she comes across a stream. And on the other side of this stream is this magnificently huge lion. And if you know the Chronicles of Narnia, you know that this lion's name is Aslan, and he's symbolic of Jesus Christ. And so she goes to the stream, and she's a little nervous. She's scared. I mean, lions, right? She even asks him, don't you eat girls? (laughs) To which he replies, I've consumed girls and boys, men and women, kingdoms and realms, even entire galaxies. I consume them. And she says, well, I should go and find another stream then. I can't drink from this one. It's going to hurt. It's going to be painful. 
To which Aslan replies, there just is no other stream. There is no other stream. And to which she then dips her hand into the stream and she finds that the water is the most cool, refreshing water that she's ever experienced. And she's immediately satisfied from her thirst. For many of us, the thought of approaching Jesus and giving all to him can be difficult. It might mean saying, not my will, but thine be done. But I can tell you and testify to you, whoever's listening, that in following Jesus Christ, I've found a satisfaction that cannot be found and isn't found anywhere else. But that is difficult, right? Sometimes we want the blessing without having to do the work, right? There's no way to get a testimony of something like tithing without paying tithing. (laughs) There's no way to know that prayer works without praying. There's no way to know that Jesus Christ is the Savior without following him. Trying it and going for it. In Doctrine and Covenants section 85, verse 3, the Lord actually says, and I'm going to actually just read a part of it, because there were when trying to build Zion, which was a failure, there were many of the saints who wanted to be in Zion, and they wanted to be there and be a part of those that church, of that great, great order of one heart and one mind, but they weren't willing to live the law of consecration which is part of what it means to be Zion. And the Lord says to them, it is contrary to the will and the commandment of God that those who receive not their inheritance by consecration, agreeable to his law, which has been given, that he may tie this people to prepare them against the day of vengeance and burning, should have their names enrolled of the people of God. In other words, you can't have your name enrolled if you're not willing to pay the price. You can't have the testimony of Jesus without following him, without trying it. And so that question that Jesus asks his apostles strikes my heart hard. Will you also go away? Will you go back when it's hard? Will you go back and want to go home when you're on your mission and you finally figure out that a mission's not at all what you expected it to be? <laughs> and maybe that crushes you. Maybe your disappointment is just consuming and you see the missionaries behaving in ways that you never thought missionaries would behave. Will you go back? But where would you go? All right, just a couple more thoughts here. Um, There just is no other way, my friends. And one more, I don't know why I have so much C.S. Lewis in this, but right now I'm just thinking about him. Um, I guess two more thoughts, and one of them is by C.S. Lewis, and he says that, I believe in Christianity as I believe that the sun has risen. Not only because I see it, but because by it, I see everything else. I don't believe in Jesus Christ just because I can see him and see his blessings. I see, I believe in him because it's, it's through looking through his eyes, as hard as that can be, that I can see everything else and that things start to make sense, that I can understand the truth of what is really true out there. And... To close, it makes me think same chapter, John chapter 6, verses 68 and 69. Peter answers, right, and says, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life, and we believe and are sure that thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. He is it. There is no other God. Try, as I have in the past, to maybe worship other gods or the God of money or make that my object or whatever. There is no other stream. 
It's only in Jesus Christ. And so when it comes to this podcast or sharing messages or teaching or whatever we are doing, Allie and I, in our lives, our hope is to share him because there is no other stream. There is no other satisfaction. All the bread in the world, my friends, I'm telling you, is temporary except for his. And his is everlasting. And it's brought a joy to my life that cannot come by any other way but by Jesus Christ. I know that every good thing comes from him. And so my hope is that through this podcast, you can feel some of his good things. Because there's so many. The world out there is full of him and it's full of goodness. And that's my hope with this podcast. Wow. Uh, I feel like we could just end it right there. You don't really need to hear from me. but No, we do. We need both. <laughs> As you can tell, Jason, you know, does this for a living. So he's just so naturally gifted at just, you know, delivering heartfelt sermons where mine are more just sort of thoughts and feelings for my heart. So I guess I'll add just an imperfect human element to this podcast. But um, I just, re- for me, it all just comes down to, like Jason was saying, it just comes down to Jesus and if I am, I'm honestly just a simple girl. <laughs> I like to keep things easy and uncomplicated and, and I get overwhelmed super easy. So for me, if I can just say to myself, it's all about Jesus, everything I do, everything I'm asked to do in church, every commandment I keep, it's all about him. Then that gives me a more directed focus and purpose to everything and more motivation, honestly. And I love it because I've had the opportunity over the last month. Um, I've had several conversations, just normal conversations with friends about Jesus and about just the power that comes when we just talk about him and even just say his name. And last week I had my friend Elisha over and we were talking about, you know, the power of Christ in our lives. And she brought up a quote. She couldn't remember who said it, but I, I looked it up. I found it. It was from Sister Linda S. Reeves, who is a former counselor in the Relief Society General Presidency for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And um, a little bit of context here. So Sister Reeves' daughter, Emily, and I were the same age, and I went to junior high with her. She was the sweetest, nicest girl, and... Uh, we didn't go to the same high school, but I remember one day in my senior year of high school, um, another girl that I went to junior high with came and pulled me out of seminary. And she said, I just want you to know that um, Emily's been killed in a car accident. And I didn't expect to get emotional about this. This was like half my lifetime ago. But um, I just remember like being crushed and devastated. I'm like, how could this girl, this sweet girl be killed so young? Like, it just seems so unfair. So keep that in mind that this is her mother saying this quote. Sister Reeve said, I don't know why we have the many trials that we have. I got to pull it together. (laughs) But it is my personal feeling that the reward is so great So eternal and everlasting, so joyful and beyond our understanding that in the day of reward, we may fail to say to our merciful, loving father, was that all that was required? 
I believe that if we could daily remember and recognize the depth of the love that our Father in Heaven and our Savior have for us, we would be willing to do anything they asked us to be back in their presence again, surrounded by their love eternally. Ooh, okay, I didn't, <laughs> I didn't plan on like <laughs> crying all over the microphone, but here we are. Um, I just, I know that is so true that it's more than just words in a book. It's more than just sermons that you hear on Sunday or the, anywhere else that the God, God the Father and God Jesus Christ and the, and the Spirit, they're all real. They're very real and they're very much aware of each of us on a very personal level that we can't even comprehend. And life is just hard. That's part of what we agreed to by coming down here. That's what we believe. And so I can't do it without them. I know that. And every single day, if I just direct my focus toward, toward Jesus and making him a central part of my life, the central part of my life, things are a little bit easier and I feel a little bit more confident in my trials and in my weaknesses and my shortcomings because there's a purpose to it. And I trust in him and I know that it's it's all going to be worth it in the end. And I just love that, that we might ask, like, was that all that was was required? Like, And this is coming from a woman who's experienced the worst of the worst trials of losing a child and that's maybe that's why that hit me so hard is because with my own children that's just something i can't even conceive of but even that will feel like was that all that was required lord <laughs> because of everything that he has in store for us and i trust him and i love him and that's just what we're going to dive deeper into in this podcast is just the daily instances and occurrences where god shows his hand and is there for us and uh, with that we just want to thank you for listening. We uh, just bear our testimony from the bottom of my heart that uh, that this is true. And we would encourage that whoever is listening, if you haven't taken it upon yourself to take the first step to Jesus, we'd invite you to do it. Now I'm getting emotional. <laughs> <laughs> it's because you're too empathetic. <laughs> <laughs> I would invite you to take that first step. And I can promise you that no matter what you've done, or even what you might believe or not believe, that hasn't changed anything in how our Savior, Jesus Christ, feels about you. (laughs) He's the Savior of everybody, including you. And his arm is always outstretched, ready to embrace you. And uh, I know that's true. And I promise that if you look for him, you're going to find him. And when you find him, you won't want anything else. Anyway, thanks for listening, everybody. Sorry, we're an emotional mess. <laughs> we, won't, we won't cry through every episode. Maybe most of them. But, no. but it's just coming from the deepest part of our souls. And uh, we're happy to, to share that with you. All for, all for his glory and all for him because we love him and we're grateful for it, for how he's changed our lives. So thank you. Thanks, See you next friends. time. Thank you.